2: College football recruiting show alongside Blair and Gulo. I'm Emily Proud, and happy election day. Hope you have some time to go cast your vote. Here we have a stacked ballot for today's show, but per usual, let's get it rolling with those headlines and big news coming out yesterday. The number one linebacker in the 2023 class, Anthony Hill decommits from Texas A&M. This, according to our Mike Roach of Horns 24-7. Now, he had been committed to the Aggies since July, and now Hill has multiple crystal balls to Texas. Adding to the drama, a current member of the Longhorns 2023 class, Jontae Cook, with this uh, timely tweet. Tweeting out a nice little horns emoji and a, hmm, we'll see what happens there. A lot of people reading into this, Blair. What should we take from it?
1: In college football recruiting, follow the visits. Anthony Hill will be in Austin this coming weekend. And obviously the Longhorns were one of those front runners before he made his initial decision to commit to the Aggies. But it seems like Texas and Steve Sarkeesian have all the momentum right now for the five-star linebacker.
2: More on that in a bit. Meanwhile, some uncertainty surrounding Oregon commit and the number two player in the country, Dante Moore. Sean Cher of Spartan Tailgate gives him a crystal ball to flip to Michigan State. Blair, where is this coming from?
1: You know, there's a lot of speculation out there that Dan Lanning, head coach at Oregon, could be a candidate for a number of openings. Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator at Oregon, could be a a candidate for a a number of openings as well. And I think that's creating a bit of smoke here with the five-star quarterback from the state of Michigan. The Spartans were one of the finalists before he made this decision. So until Dante Moore comes out and says something, I'm still chalking this up as, as a bit of smoke.
2: We will wait and see. Meanwhile, top 24-7 four-star edge Colton Vasek may also be on the move. All of our crystal balls have the Oklahoma commit flipping to Texas. Indications are that he could make that decision known as early as today. And then, as this generation loves to do, he sent out a cryptic tweet with the time 4pm. Blair, it does not get any spicier than this.
1: Very spicy, Emily, and I, I think the thing about this is the fact that it is those rivalry cross-conference ta- or cross uh, conference recruiting battles, right? And you think about a Texas legacy who took an, uh, a visit to Texas earlier in the season, uh, had been committed to Oklahoma, but it, it does look like the Longhorns continue to build momentum as, as they build a class heading into the SEC.
2: The number three player in the 2024 class names Georgia as the team to beat in his recruitment right now. The dogs currently have the number one class in 2024 and adding cornerback Ellis Robinson would certainly help solidify the dog status at the top.
1: Yeah, I'm getting Thanos vibes from Kirby Smart. He's just collecting <laughs> gemstones at this point. We've seen Georgia really trust freshman defensive backs before and Robinson definitely has that instant impact potential Uh, if he were to arrive in Athens in time for the 2024 season. So uh, another big-time target looking at Georgia very seriously.
2: Thanos vibes. Love it. Well, as we get closer and closer to signing day, this past weekend was huge for guys still mulling over their college decisions. So let's bring in the Director of Recruiting, Steve Wiltfong, to give us all the info and intel from the weekend. First things first, though, Steve, you put in crystal balls to Texas for Anthony Hill, Jelani McDonald, and Colton Vasek. A lot of momentum surrounding the Longhorns right now. What's going on in Austin?
3: Well, when I look at the Texas football program and kind of see the way Tennessee came out and played this year, why can't that be the Texas Longhorns next year? top five recruiting class a cycle ago, sitting at number seven right now, certainly on pace for another top five recruiting class again this cycle. And those are guys that I think would be program changers on the defensive side of the ball. Anthony Hill is a guy that I like the Longhorns for. A source recently told me, hey, keep an eye out for this one on the last day of the, uh, of the recruiting cycle here. But obviously uh, uh, this thing has accelerated And I could see him having a Harold Perkins-type impact in Austin that Perkins is having in Baton Rouge for LSU. Colton Vasek, one of the best pass rushers in the state. 11 sacks in 10 games for Austin Westlake. Put him on the same defense with a guy like Dylan Spencer, who's having a terrific senior year, and those are impact players on the front for Texas. And then Jelani McDonald, one of the most explosive athletes in the state of Texas as well. A recent decommitment from Oklahoma State. I like the way that one's trending for Texas. Expected on an unofficial this weekend for what's going to be a loaded crop of visitors in Austin as they take on undefeated T and then I think he'll be back later in the cycle for an official visit.
2: All right, let's go back to this past weekend. The third and sixth ranked Ed rushers in the 2023 class were in Athens on Saturday. You currently have a crystal ball for Samuel and Pemba to Georgia, but still a tight battle for Damon Wilson. How likely are the dogs to land both blue chip pass rushers?
3: Well, they got a great shot to land both. As you said, I really love their op- chances with Samuel Mappemba. I think he'll eventually be in the fold for Georgia. Kirby Smart and company. And then Coach Chid and that Georgia staff have done a great job with Damon Wilson as well. I think that Ohio State's still very much in the mix of that one too. That one's been a back-and-forth recruitment for quite some time now. Uh, Wilson and his family told me, hey, we got a 48-hour rule coming out of a visit. Uh, got home on Sunday from what was a great trip. Certainly a lot of momentum around Georgia, the opportunity to play in the SEC, the way that the Bulldogs developed their defensive players, the relationship he has with Coach Chid, Kirby Smart, and getting around the players again and and seeing how he fits in. I think all benefited Georgia, uh, but Ohio State not going away for him as well.
1: Steve, we're waiting for you to break out the spatula. I know it's spatula season. You haven't broken it out yet, though. But Alabama commits, Justice Haynes and uh, Caleb Downs, the number one safety in this 2023 class, were in Athens to check out Georgia. Are you on spatula season? Watch for those two.
3: Well, I think that um, with with Justice Haynes, I think that Georgia is a school to monitor with his process moving forward. And then with Caleb Downs, I think that even though he took that visit to Georgia over the weekend, Alabama would be more worried about Ohio State and, and the Buckeyes who continue to push for him as well. The spatula is still in the holster, uh, but one where um, certainly monitoring where things stand with both of those five
4: stars. <laughs>
2: to see that spatula in action soon. Well, as for Desmond Ricks, the number three corner in the class, you crystal balled him to LSU on Saturday. He was in Death Valley. He saw the Tigers take down the Tide. What you hear about his visit?
3: Well, I lost track of how many crystal balls I put in for LSU over the weekend. Number four class in 2023. They got the number three class in 2024 and have a lot of momentum with prospects in both of those cycles. But Desmond Ricks, the five-star cornerback from IMG Academy, making his third visit to LSU. Look, they, they got there in tailgate. I heard this tailgate was epic with blue chip recruits and off-field staffers just getting a chance to hang out and rub elbows. Everybody had a great time before the game there in Death Valley. Obviously, you saw an awesome game there where LSU was able to knock off Alabama, and they go from program on the rise to championship contender, similar to what we saw with Tennessee earlier against the same opponent and, and with LSU, I think another thing that has put them in great position with Desmond Ricks outside of his relationship with Jordan Arcement and, and, and Coach uh, Steeples and company there is that the opportunity to play early is there. When you look at LSU's depth chart and what they're playing with the secondary – All those guys are going to be gone, and uh, there's going to be incredible opportunity for this true freshman class to come in and make an an impact on the back end. And I think that's an important part of Desmond Rick's recruitment as well, and why I think they're in a good spot for him, and why I also think they're in a good spot for top 247 cornerback Javion Toviano, who also visited over the weekend. He's expected at Texas for the first time since I think January this weekend, but LSU having all the momentum with Toviano as well.
1: Yeah, you said you lost track on the crystal balls. You do have a crystal ball for J.B. and Tobiano to LSU. Is it a battle between Texas and LSU right now for that talented prospect?
3: Well, I, I think maybe we'll be able to see where gauge where Texas is coming out of this weekend visit. A and M's another school that's been mentioned there. Michigan got an official visit, but I. I don't really know who the competition is because I just really love LSU's position for him, Blair. I think that they are clearly uh, the one to beat. But hey, recruiting is surprised before. So we'll see what happens with this young man as he ultimately makes his decision. But LSU pushing the right buttons with him and several others as they uh, build up that, that program with uh, Brian Kelly's recruits.
2: Something about beating Alabama it helps on the recruiting trail. Well, we were treated to three, count them, three field stormings this weekend. That was one of them. Let's go to another one in South Bend. Three-star wide receiver Caleb Smith was treated to an epic atmosphere. And Steve, he just decommitted from Texas Tech on Friday, and now you have a crystal ball in for him to Notre Dame. What's changed for him in his recruitment?
3: And he told me during his visit he was going to come out of the visit, take his time, and, and mm-hmm. compare Notre Dame to Texas Tech. So I think he still really likes Texas Tech. But Notre Dame's obviously an opportunity for him to go and compete on the biggest stage in college football and compete for national championships. Notre Dame's a program that made the college football playoff two times. In the last five years, this is a recruiting class where you know Notre Dame, they're trying to add more playmakers, and this is a kid that can be dynamic. I love Notre Dame's receivers class. They want one more. I think it's trending well for him, and I also logged a crystal ball for safety Khalil Barnes, who also visited over the weekend. My pick was on Clemson. Now it's on Notre Dame, so Notre Dame, they have the nation's number three class. Maybe add Caleb Barnes and, or Caleb Smith and Khalil Barnes to that by uh, the early signing period.
1: Yeah, top five class for the Irish. They did battle on the field. What do you think is setting apart the Irish for Khalil Barnes?
3: Well, he told me he just really felt like he fit in on campus there. It's a special place, and what an evening there, right? You know, you go there, it's a night game, the crowd was juiced up uh it's a it's a historic place and i think he really felt like he fit in with the culture on campus he came coming into the visit he told me he already had a great relationship with coach freeman and the staff just wanted to get up there and see how he felt uh within that atmosphere and i think he loved the environment and notre dame has moved into the driver's seat now we'll see if that wears off and maybe clemson can flip it back you know, we've had that back and forth with Ohio State and, and Georgia for Demon Wilson. Maybe we have some back and forth here with Notre Dame and Clemson for Khalil Barnes. But as of right now, Blair, I like Notre Dame.
2: I just love when these recruiting battles play out on the field. It I makes don't. it extra special. You don't? Okay. I don't
3: like the back and forth. I like one leader okay. all the way in.
2: It does make your job a little bit easier, but it makes our job a lot more fun asking you all these questions. Let's go to four-star safety Jamel Johnson. He visited TCU over the weekend for its win over Texas Tech. Johnson decommitted from Texas on Monday. You've got a crystal ball in for Ole Miss. What's the latest on his recruitment?
3: Again, and these crystal balls subject to change, but I think he took an official visit to Ole Miss earlier in the fall for the Rebels' victory over Kentucky. He had a really good time talking to a source around Jamel. They told me that uh, Ole Miss is is the current leader in the clubhouse but taking a visit to TCU over the weekend the horn frogs have a ton of momentum they're looking for their first top 25 class in a few years this is a young man that they're pushing for and i don't rule them out for anybody and you want to talk about spatula season tcu i think they're working on a couple big high profile flips behind the scenes so they may be a program that we're talking about quite a bit over the next few weeks with some of the guys that they're quietly in on the first year of the sunny dykes era
1: Steve, speaking of high profile, the number three safety in the 2024 class, Tylan Singleton, was also at at TCU. How much momentum is is that staff getting with the on-field results with some of the younger classes?
3: Well, I think it's resonating, obviously, but another thing that TCU is doing a great job of is just building genuine relationships with their top targets. They have one of the best off-field recruiting staffs in college football there with guys like Brian Carrington and and Eron Hodges uh, in there building strong reports with these young men. And these are guys that are coming to campus and seeing the vision immediately. You know, TCU, they haven't been undefeated this long, Emily, since – Uh, they went to the Rose Bowl, right? So it's it's been quite a while since TCU has had this kind of season and and, uh, with the genuine relationships that their staff is building in addition to the play on the field, it's certainly resonating with prospects. They got three games to go. Huge opportunity for them in Austin. We talk about Texas and the program that they're building right now, and I love the way that Texas is recruiting uh, dynamic receivers, obviously elite quarterbacks, putting together some of the best offensive line recruiting over the last two cycles, and and, and this class is stocked full of great DBs and and difference makers on defense. After a terrific front seven class last year, TCU, they're quietly putting it together in their own way and could be maybe the next – Juggernaut in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas moving on to the SEC.
2: Whew, if Horn Frog fans weren't already happy watching the team play, they're certainly happy to hear you say that. Steve, thank you so much. Thanks for keeping up with all of it. Be sure to check out new episodes of the Wilt Fong Whip Around dropping every Monday and Friday on the 24 7 Sports YouTube page. <laughs> Love the mustache there, too. Love it. Blair, that was just a taste of how many massive visits happened this past weekend. Which one were you keeping an eye on the closest?
1: Well, Steve almost had me convinced when he said there was an epic barbecue down in Baton Rouge. But I'm going to go with Georgia. I like what they're doing, not only bringing in high-profile targets, but also some potential flip candidates, national prospects, and players across multiple classes like 2024 and 2025 that 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 atmosphere that environment you know the game against tennessee that was going to bring in the who's who in the college football recruiting world and and so that was i think the weekend that certainly caught our eye
2: all right so while you might be racing to the polls let us remind you college football is not a democracy it's a hierarchy and although no votes are cast in recruiting these coaches hope to win the race to number one
1: Joining us now are Brandon Huffman, the National Recruiting Editor at 24-7 Sports and Andrew Ivins, National Recruiting Analyst at 24-7 Sports for our latest recruiting roundtable looking at the race for number one as recruiting classes continue to take shape with about a month to go until the early signing period. And, And gentlemen, thank you for joining us. And I'll start with you, Huff. This is a, a fascinating look at the recruiting process right now as we enter that final stretch. It's Bama, it's Georgia, it's Notre Dame, LSU, and Ohio State rounding out the top five. What are you going to be looking for as we make that that sprint towards the finish line?
3: Well, first
0: is going to be can anybody catch Alabama? That's going to be the big question. Georgia is obviously in a position where they may be able to catch them with some of the guys that they brought in this weekend for official visits. Some of the guys that came in for unofficial visits. Maybe landing some of those guys could turn the tide, no pun intended, towards Georgia. The other thing I want to be looking at is, are we going to see an outlier, if you will, a Texas A&M type of team from a year ago that isn't used to being in the top two or three, make a late surge, and end up kind of being that, that new kid on the block with the top class? Will we find a school like that? Could that be a school like a Tennessee that's had some success on the field this year, has had some good success off the field from a recruiting standpoint? obviously get Nico Yamaliava. Can there be a Texas A&M like third party, a third school that's kind of a surprise that we're not used to seeing pushing Alabama and Georgia, or is it going to be status quo like most years have been?
5: Well, I think if there's one team that does have a chance to do it, it's probably LSU. If you're looking for a dark horse to finish number one, and why LSU? I mean, they got some bullets out there, some big fish out there. I think it starts with one of our favorite prospects, Nicholas Harbor. I mean, we're still trying to figure out where he's going. He's been linked to South Carolina. He's been linked to Michigan. But when we're talking about these schools in the top five, Harbor, it, it's really just LSU he's kind of considering. So that's one big fish. And I think there's some more out there. I mean, LSU just took down Nick Saban in Alabama. You, you would assume Brian Kelly's going to use that to his advantage on the recruiting trail. Huff, I, you said it with Georgia. You know, I was playing with the class calculator I don't really know how anyone catches Alabama who's sitting at, I think it's 310 points, but there is an avenue for the Bulldogs, and it starts by flipping two of uh, Bama's top commits, Justice Haynes, the running back right there in the Atlanta Metro, and then his good friend Caleb Downs, the five-star safety. Both those guys were between the hedges on hand to watch Georgia dismantle number one ranked Tennessee and just trade in some texts with some guys inside that building it seems like they felt like they made up some ground. So interested to see how that plays out, especially, you know, if Alabama, they stumble down the stretch, and Georgia uh, has an opportunity to repeat in the college football playoff.
0: With Georgia, as you look at the success that they've had at the tight end position, and specifically on the West Coast with a guy like Brock Bowers, with a guy like Darnell Washington, well, who do they bring in this weekend for an official visit, his last official visit Stanford, which has kind of been the crown jewel program of tight ends on the West Coast for the last decade plus, Walker Lyons takes his fifth and final official visit four months after he commits to Stanford. Now, he would sign this class, wouldn't enroll until the 2024 class. They're not out of the mix for a guy like a Deuce Robinson, who's the top-ranked tight end in the country. So that national appeal that Georgia has with a guy like a Brock Bowers, with a guy like a Keely Ringo, West Coast guys, it's not just the Southern guys that Georgia has a chance to flip and make compelling cases for It's now that national reach. We saw it a few years ago when they got Kendall Milton. They got Darnell Washington. Obviously, it it continued with Keely Ringo, then Brock Bowers. But now there's some West Coast guys that are starting to feel the dogs. And now you look at it not just from a Southern standpoint, but a West Coast standpoint. That's the kind of momentum that Kirby Smart was hoping this weekend would build for them. So you're right, Andrew. That's the kind of school that makes this case that Alabama may not be as secure at that number one spot as you'd think. Georgia is starting to really get things picking up.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Deuce Robinson. There's considerable buzz there now that Georgia has at least pulled even with USC uh, for the number one tight end in this 2023 class. I did want to touch on some other players that could potentially tilt the scales. Damon Wilson, Keon Keely, Mateo Uyangalile, Desmond Ricks, who just reclassified, from the 2024 class and and you know with Cormani McClain off the board becomes perhaps the most coveted defensive back in, in this class. There's a lot here, Andrew, remaining for some of these top schools to make a push for.
5: Well, it's crazy. You know, you think about Nick Saban in Alabama. He's seventy-one now, and I've been kind of marinating on this theory. You know, we've seen some of these big recruitments um, get get wild in the eleventh hour with announcements. You know, for example, we thought Cormani McLean was going to Florida. All of a sudden, he's at Miami. And let's be real, we're in the name, image, likeness era. But it seems like Bama hasn't been. I don't know, involved in too many of those. Maybe they bowed out. And and my working theory here is, hey, maybe Nick Saban is waiting until when it really matters. When we get into December, uh, you you mentioned Desmond Ricks. You know, Ricks, uh, the five-star corner that reclassifies from 2024 to 2023. He spends this past weekend in Baton Rouge. Obviously, he saw an instant classic there. Steve Wiltfang, our colleague, our buddy, he fires in an LSU crystal ball pick. and, And Ricks could very well end up there, what happens when he takes his official visit to Bama in December and he sits down with Nick Saban in Alabama? You know, they go through what they can offer via NIL. I think, you know, you also got Keon Keeley out there. Um, there's a loss in Lucky, a tight end committed to Georgia. He's in play. Caden Proctor, Caden Proctor, I was reading, you know, the Iowa commit five-star tackle. He, he has said in the past he wants to get back to Tuscaloosa. So I just think, you know, maybe we don't know how good this Bama class is. It's sitting at 310 points now, but this thing could challenge what uh, Texas A&M did, did last year. So I think that's something you got to consider uh, and when we think big picture in the race for number one. When you look back, you know, historically,
0: you look at a school like USC under Pete Carroll. You know, Mack Brown used to make his points getting the junior day, back when junior days were still a thing, getting so much of his class done. Meanwhile, USC would always kind of hover in January and February when they would get out on the roads, do those in-home visits. All of a sudden, USC's class would rise from maybe the 15th spot to the top three. And that's the thing we've seen with Alabama historically. It's why they're always a top two or three class recruiting-wise. They'd seem to do their heavy lifting really from the time the SEC championship game is played until the early signing period is done. And then they get a few more splashes come February. Now they're probably not going to be playing in the SEC championship game. Great. If you're the SEC, that gives Nick Saban one more week to get out on the road, do in-home visits, and maybe close better than they did a year ago, better than they have in recent years. So if anything, we're seeing that now with Alabama, the, the luster is not off that program. Maybe they're not going to play for a playoff this spot this year, but the luster has not left anything. They're the top class in the country. Nick Saban is still recruiting at a high level. Like he's a 35 year old. You mentioned he was 71. He doesn't recruit like he's 71. He recruits like a guy who's young and energetic and has no plans to leave anytime soon. So, What we're doing here is we're seeing Bama now get a little bit more hungry. We saw it after the 2019 season when they lost to LSU, then they lost to Auburn, and then they beat the heck out of everybody the next year. But it started with that recruiting class in that 2019 to 2020 cycle. Now you're poking the bear again from from a recruiting standpoint. And Nick Saban knows he's got to get a couple of weapons, a couple of guys at key positions where they've always had that talent to keep this class, not just number one, but to get them back into the playoff. I don't think America really wants to see
1: what a hungry, angry Nick Saban looks like on the recruiting trail. Never count out Nick Saban as the Alabama Crimson Tide are setting the pace right now in the 2023 class rankings. Thanks so much, Brandon and Andrew. You can follow all their work over at 247sports.com.
5: Here we go, snap to Daniels, spread out, throw to the right, caught, right corner of the end zone, Mason Taylor! Tigers win,
0: Tigers win! Pay hey now, 32-31, and the fans storm the field! Brian Kelly says,
5: we're gonna win this one, and he does! 32-31, Alabama goes down! Wow!
2: I'm going to try my best to match that energy there. Take a look at those happy Tiger fans. But that crowd did not just include the fans. You may not be able to pick them out, but there are some big time recruits among that chaos. So let's shine a spotlight on them. Sonny Ship of Go 24-7. You were there and you are now here to tell us what that means. Sonny, year one under Brian Kelly. How does this win impact LSU recruiting for 2023 and beyond?
4: Well, I think a lot of people are surprised to see LSU ranked in the top 10 of the polls right now, and they're probably just as shocked to see Brian Kelly have the number four class uh, in the country right now. There were so many people, so many skeptics who questioned whether he was going to be a good fit in Baton Rouge, whether he would be able to recruit at the level that he would need to recruit at to beat the Alabamas, to beat the Georgias in the SEC. And I think now you're starting to see that that he is obviously putting that class together. And a win like this is just gonna help them so much more. It's gonna help them close in 2023 strong. But I think the real big catapult that they'll truly get out of it is with 2024 and then getting a jump start on 2025.
1: Sonny, there was instant gratification there from a recruiting perspective. They landed commitments from Kyrie Lee and Dylan Carpenter. How did the the win impact their thought process with LSU?
4: Yeah, and Kyrie Lee, he was a guy who was planning on committing anyway going in. But he said just being in that atmosphere that, you know, even if he was having second thoughts, there was no way that he was going to go home not an LSU Tiger. And then with Dylan Carpenter, he's a guy who was committed to UL Lafayette, a 2023 guy they've evaluated throughout his senior season. They like what he, they like what he did on tape. And uh, Brian Kelly extended that offer, and, and he jumped on it as well. And, uh, you know, the recruiting momentum coming from this right here, It's just going to continue if you go back and if you take one look at all the the crystal ball picks that our uh, ace recruiting insider Steve Wilfong put in, they even started before the game. Charleston Collins, one of the top defensive linemen in 2024. He got a crystal ball pick. Of course, uh, you go with Desmond Ricks, and just the list goes on and on. But I really think that that LSU fans are going to be able to – they'll continue to ride this momentum that came from this Alabama game because I really think that that the benefits are going to just keep coming in on the recruiting standpoint.
2: Yeah, Steve Wiltfong telling us earlier in the show he lost track of how many crystal balls he handed out to LSU this past weekend. Uh, Looking ahead, now that he's reclassified, the face of the 2024 class has got to be quarterback Colin Hurley. He was at the game, although you feel pretty good about him suiting up for the Tigers down the road, how much does he help LSU right now as a recruiter?
4: Well, he helps because the quarterback is the quarterback. Ninety-nine out of a hundred times, the quarterback's going to be the face of the team. The quarterback is is the guy who kind of everyone wants to rally around. And I think with Colin Hurley, with the with with the, with the personality that he has and just the type of kid that he is, he's going to be one of those guys who's going to generate a lot of excitement on the recruiting trail. Uh, you know, he, he's already started. Tavion Galloway, the four-star tight end out of Ohio, he's another avid recruiter. And with, with staffs being limited in how they can contact other recruits and when they can contact them, it is such a benefit when you have these guys who are avid recruiters on the trail and just really pounding those messages on social media for you.
1: Sonny, five-star quarterback Julian Sain had LSU among his finalists when he announced his commitment to Alabama earlier in the week. How important was it for Brian Kelly to pivot and and have a 2024 guy that quickly after Sain came off the board?
4: Yeah, I, I think it was big, and and I, and I think it's big when you you know one you consider the game week that you have. You have LSU and Alabama, and you have a five star recruit who picks Alabama early in the you know middle of the week like that, and, and to be able to just come back a couple of days later, and I think it really kind of puts puts that stamp that that Brian Kelly and this staff that that they are very good on the recruiting trail, and that the benefits that they've gotten in the short time that they've been on it, I think they're just going to, they're gonna continue to get better, they're gonna continue to grow as they really get to know the Louisiana landscape, they start to build those relationships and really strengthen those relationships with the high school coaches in Louisiana, with all of the high schools around the South. Because another thing with this staff is this staff didn't really have a lot of strong ties to recruiting in the areas that LSU is traditionally strong at, minus a few guys like Frank Wilson, Joe Sloan, Kerry Cooks. And, And so you really have a staff that is still getting accustomed to the geographical area that it's in.
2: Sounds like it's only gonna get better then. Looking forward to that. Well on Sunday you put in a crystal ball for LSU to land. 2024 defensive lineman Charleston Collins. Steve Wilfong also added one for him. What's the latest with his recruitment?
4: Yeah, and you got you gotta you gotta give uh Wilfong the tip of the cap there because I think it was about right about an hour before a kickoff, he goes and fires that crystal ball <laughs> in on Collins. And everybody, as if anybody needed uh, any more reason to get excited. But I, I think that LSU is in a good spot right here. And the reason I think that is that this is a kid who came to camp in June. He earned an offer, um, came back. He's made two games already this year. And though he's got some ties to, you know, to, to the to the natural state in Arkansas. I, I think that. The relationship that he has with Jamar Cain, with Matt House, with all of those guys, is really has LSU sitting in that position to where um, you know it's always hard to go inside of a state like Arkansas, Louisiana, and steal some of those top guys. But if I'm an Arkansas fan, I think I'm really worried about Charleston Collins and the prospects of him leaving the state.
1: Well, Sonny, you mentioned the impact that this could have, not only on 24, but also on 25 and one of the better running backs in that class is Harlem Berry. He's a home state player who has mentioned to Steve Wolfong that he would want to be a hometown hero. What have you heard about Harlem Berry and LSU?
4: Yeah, and he's another guy. He's another guy. Went to camp over the summer, uh, clocked a really impressive uh, 40-yard dash time right around the 4-4 level. And in He's had, he doesn't play against the best competition in high school right now. He plays against a lot of smaller schools. But when you look at what he does on tape, you can just see so many of the characteristics that just define a good running back. And Florida State's a school that with uh, David Johnson has strong ties to the New Orleans area. Florida State's a school that is on him that I think is going to also be in there whenever when you, he gets close to that time to where he really wants to make a decision. But I think when you look at LSU and you look at the job that Frank Wilson has done going back Back to his first stint in Baton Rouge when he got Jeremy Hill, Kenny Hilliard, of course, Leonard Fournette, the big one there. He came back to LSU last year. They did lose uh, Le'Veon Moss to Texas A&M, Travante Citizen to Miami, but He's already got Caleb Jackson locked up for this year, got Trey Holly locked up for this year as well, and so when Frank Wilson has time to really build those relationships and get to know the kids and he has years to work on them, it's not wise to bet against him when it comes to a Louisiana kid.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Sonny. Be sure to check out his work at Go 24 seven all season long. Blair. We didn't expect Brian Kelly to come right in and get the number one recruiting class in 2023, but how big an impact can that win and all this momentum have on future recruiting classes?
1: Yeah, you just don't know what a rebuilding process is going to look like. And they're getting instant gratification there from that victory against Alabama. And, and it gives them uh, some real ammunition heading into the spring, heading into next offseason. And something that Brian Kelly can point to, to recruits and say, hey, look what we did in year one. We don't even have our guys in here yet, and we beat Alabama, we beat Florida, we've beaten Ole Miss, which was ranked in the top 10 at the time. They have gotten some notable victories with a roster that isn't basically a Brian Kelly roster yet. So I, I think, and, and even something that, that Sonny Ship just mentioned, right, that this staff doesn't have roots in the South. They don't understand the landscape. Once they actually do, once they re- develop those relationships and harvest some of those connections, then LSU can take up its recruiting a a different notch and we could see already what's happening with all the crystal balls that have gone in, not only in the 24 class, but also in 25.
2: Seems like the gist of his pitch is going to be, you thought that was awesome? You ain't seen nothing yet. Blair, we got some fun questions from viewers. We appreciate you guys submitting those. We are watching, we are following along on YouTube. So let's answer some of them real quick. The first one comes from Charles Casey. He asks, When is signing day? I'll take that one. It is December 21st, and here at 24-7 Sports, we will have wall-to-wall coverage. So stay tuned and get excited for that one. Blair, I'll let you pick up this next one. It's from Roman388. He asks, with Oregon stuck in the Pac-12, how will it impact recruiting going forward?
1: Well, Roman, thanks for the question. And and that's gonna be, I think, a really interesting thing to monitor. There have been some rumblings. There's been I think some speculation that maybe Oregon is trying to get into the Big Ten. And that's because they know that if they stay in the Pac-12, their brand will will sky it'll, it'll, it'll tumble, right? It's not gonna be something that's gonna be up and elevated the way it is right now. Pac-12 Recruiting specifically is, is tough when you're losing SC, when you're losing UCLA, you're losing that Los Angeles market. And, you know, they are a national brand. It's a program that's recruiting on a national platform. And if the Pac 12 is taking a hit, By losing two of its top members, Oregon in in retrospect and and by effect is also going to lose a lot of its luster. So that's going to be, I think, one of the more interesting and fascinating things to watch is if Oregon tries to move to another conference, just anticipating and knowing that if it stays in the Pac-12 that's already diminished, that its own recruiting stock will tumble as well.
2: Yeah, I'll add this too. Based on what we've seen over the college football landscape over the last couple of years, I wouldn't justify it by saying anybody is stuck where they are in any conference. All bets are off right now. We'll see what happens with Oregon. Thanks so much for joining us here, and thanks for your comments. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. He's Blair Angulo. I'm Emily Proud, and this is the College Football Recruiting Show. On Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel good movie of the year. You, dig you Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.